Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. I am your host, Mike Apatria, joined today by the majestic Santino Cocone on this wonderful Tuesday, April 21st day to break down two Santino, might be two of the sexier teams that we've been able to talk about so far. We're going to wrap up the NL today, touch on the Braves, and then we're going to slide over to the AL uh, and touch on the Astros. So, Santino, how are you doing this morning, and are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited, and uh, thank you. Majestic. That's a that's a word drop right there for me. I'll take it. It's a very good compliment, I guess. I don't know how you meant it, but <laughs> it sounds like a good one. But yeah, this is probably the best two teams co- combination of teams that we're going to have in any of this, um, any of our reviews. I can't imagine seeing two young younger, sexier teams like this, uh, lineup, pitching staff, bullpen. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think if we had to kind of guess the average age of both teams combined, it would probably be floating around like, what, 26 years old, somewhere around there, I'm sure? Yeah, pretty young. Um, maybe a little older because there are some some vets on the Astros, especially in their pitching staff, but uh, very fantasy-friendly. It's one of the teams that are two of the teams that we're going to be using a lot in DFS. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Verlander alone probably uh, changes the curve. Uh, what is he? I think Verlander is about 38 years old now. Yeah, him and, uh, him and Grinky are uh, Grinky. Oh, are yeah, Grinky as well. Yeah, <laughs> but combined age of about 72 between the both of them. Otherwise, we'd probably be looking at like a, an average age of like 22, but those guys balance it up to about 27 years old, 28 years old for the Astros. But yeah, you're right. A lot of sexiness, a lot of young fantasy players that we're going to talk about, uh, you know, a lot of season-long value, a lot of guys that we're going to be targeting on a regular basis uh, for DFS, and a few guys in, uh, that we're going to be looking to take a leap. So we're going to we're gonna wrap up with the NL first. We're going to touch on the Braves. I'm going to lead us off right into them, uh, wrap them up, go straight into the AL, talk about uh, some nice Astros, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to both these teams, Santino, especially given the fact we're not going to touch on it too often uh, just because it's beaten, a, it's beaten a, I guess you could say, a trash can at this point. Uh, but you know, <laughs> with the, with the Astro scandal and everything, but there's, you know, there's been some sense in the community at some players and some, uh, some fantasy owners are going to try to steer away from these guys, uh, because of the scandal. And, you know, we've, we've touched on this together, Santino, that's in my opinion, just the, one of the most foolish things you can do in daily fantasy sports and fantasy sports is to hold a grudge. Uh, it's yeah. tough to do with some players. I, I have player grudges. I'm sure you do where you just gotten burned by a guy so many times where you're like, I'm not going near him. But I've never been team grudged, and that's one thing I'll, I'll never do. I just think you're handicapping yourself, and it is pointless. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to steal your phrase again. You hit it right on the head there. It seems as though this cheating scandal is taking away from the talent that these guys possess. And if you're going to avoid them because of this scandal, that um, that's just very foolish and very unwise. I advise against it. And season-long leagues, DFS, if people are avoiding them, so be it. I'm, I'm going to be right on the bandwagon. I'll jump on any guy that falls. Uh, like if, if a Bregman is not a top-10 pick, better for me. If Jose Altuve falls out of the second round, okay, whatever. If George Springer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These guys are talented. Uh, regardless of this scandal, uh, just just don't sleep on them. And if, if people are sleeping on them, better for you. That's all I could say. Absolutely. So on that note, we'll jump right into the Braves and the Braves being 
one of the sexier teams that we've seen because they have one of the brightest young stars. I mean, next to Juan Soto Santino, I think Ronald Acuna might be the future uh, of the MLB. He's coming off of almost a historic season, uh, one that we've never seen from, you know, almost any player, let alone a guy in his first full major league season. So in We'll just touch and we'll just get on this right away just because we were talking about before we got on air and what the possibilities of this guy's future can hold. Uh, let's just say, you know, 715 plate appearances last season for Mr. Acuna. Uh, a lot of that was spent. He was he was in and out of the different spots in the order. He spent time leading off. I think that's where he was the most successful is when he was leading off. Um, but in 715 at-bats, the gentleman had 41 home runs, you know, 127 runs scored. 37 stolen bases in 101 RBI. So if we were talking about on air, that's an incredible season. When's the last time you've actually, you can remember off the top of your head, a guy even coming close to a 40-40 season? Um, well, Soriano did it about 15, 16 years ago. Um, he had 40, 46 and 41. But besides that, I think, I think there's only been four or five players in the major leagues history that have ever done it. And, yeah, there's been four. I, I say five because uh, Vladimir Guerrero got cheated out of one. He had 39 home runs, 40 stolen bases, and he hit a home run in the last game of the season. Uh, I remember watching it because I was I was doing the 40-40 watch with him and Soriano, and um, they wound up counting it as a ground rule double. Very stupid rule what they did. They looked at it. Uh, if, if there was replays back then, he would have had a 40-40 season, so I count them among the, the five. But uh, yeah, that was the last time someone's ever done that. Acuna is special. Uh, that's that's the best way to put it. This kid is special. He's just like you said, first first full year in the league. Uh, this guy hit 37 home runs, stole over 40 bases. You just don't see that. 30-30 this uh, in today's day and age, in, in the history of the game, a 30-30 type player, that's special. But a 40-40 type player, there's only been a few of them in the in the history of the game, and they've all happened. Uh, since 1988, Canseco was the first one to do it. But this kid is something else. Uh, the only knock on him is he strikes out a lot. Uh, he he has a lot of empty at-bats. Uh, that's hard for DFS because you don't know what you're going to get on the daily. He struck out, I think, uh, second most in the league last year at 188 Ks. But he also is just like just starting to, starting out, just scratching the surface of what he can be. I expect that to improve as he gets as he matures into his own body and his own game. Um, but that's pretty much the only negative on him. Everything else this dude can do on 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 a baseball field. Yeah, and if and you you touched on it, it's it's a negative that we expect. A uh, young player, very aggressive player. He was aggressive in the minors, batting lead off. And anytime you have an aggressive swinger like that and a free swinger, as you say, Sonny, um, leading off, you, you can expect a couple more uh, more strikeouts. And we'd expect, you know, obviously improvements in that category, even with those strikeouts. So still posted a 365 OBP. So he's still not slouching an OBP. And and with his OPS last season, uh, definitely some room for improvement at 883. A fantastic OPS. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. Anytime you see a guy over, you know, that 850 to 900 rate, you're probably looking at an all-star, but you know, there's room for improvement as we can see. So uh, to touch on it. Yes. I do think he could have a better season. If we, if we get anything close to a 40, 40 season, you're talking about a guy that, you know, 
potentially will probably finish as the number one overall fantasy player uh, in baseball. Um, you know, Mike Trout obviously has different intangibles, different tools, and, you know, you could probably expect a higher OBP and average and everything else, but the stolen bases aren't going to be there for as as for Trout as they are Acuna. Um, and we've seen that be the major difference maker in a lot of these guys' values that we look at in season-long leagues. But I think when we touch upon the stolen bases, we talk about, you know, we were talking about it the other day, they're very unpredictable. But when you're talking about in DFS, if you get a guy that can get you a stolen base and a home run in the same game, you're, you can, you're pretty much betting on either or. Uh, and you'd be yeah. happy with the return on either one. So he's a guy that I target heavily in DFS, uh, just knowing that he's playing out of that leadoff spot. He's going to get plenty of at-bats. He'll probably, he might even lead the majors in at-bats this season, Santino. Um, sky's the good, limit for this good. That's a, that's a good um, call. He could. There's a possibility because this lineup is pretty good, uh, and he, he is going to lead off. And it's funny, he was batting anywhere from one to, to three last year, even four. Uh, but he's going right into the leadoff hall this year. There's no one like him that could, that has that speed potential. Maybe Ender Inciarte, but he might not even start. Uh, there's a possibility that Austin Riley could take it. There, there's many possibilities on this team, but Acuna is first and foremost the sexiest player on this team, maybe in the league, because you mentioned it. There's not that many people that can go uh, 40-40 in the history of the game and even have that potential. Uh, you think about it. There's 162 games in the majors. If he's getting 40 steals and 40 home runs, that's basically a steal or a home run every other game. Uh, so you're getting the, the minimum five points, say, but like that that's something that you're going to want to pay up for. And you know the production is there. And again, he's young, so um, hopefully the plate discipline can improve a little bit as, as time goes. That's what um, young players mature into. And he has people behind him that are going to drive him in. It's just he is everything that we that we expect him to be. Yeah, and I, I mean, he led the league in runs scored last season with 127. Um, I don't expect that to change, just knowing that he's going to most likely have Albies right behind him. And Albies is one of the best players you can bat in front of, mostly because he's a great switch hitter. Um, you know, he, you know he's going to be able to adjust on whoever's that starting pitcher. And just looking at Albies' splits, uh, you know, he's much, much better versus lefties. I, I think that's without a doubt. I mean, he had, the guy had over 400 plate appearances against righties last season. Uh, and just, just to kind of show the difference in his splits, when he's batting righty going against the lefty, he's batting about 387 with a 1,095 OPS. So he's absolutely off the charts against left-handed, and he holds his own against um, right-handed pitchers when he's batting lefty, batting 267 with a 778 OPS. So he's the perfect guy that you want to see right, right behind Acuna. Um, I love it. I love this lineup. And then to follow it up with Freeman right after that, there's nobody that you can really pitch around because then they brought in Marcelo Zuna, who's probably going to be batting cleanup now, who's himself yep. is coming off of a little bit of a down year. Um, I don't know about you, Santino. What's your what's your take on Ozuna? I'm expecting a big bounce back for him, though, especially on this new in this new lineup and on a new team. Yeah, I like him much better in this lineup. Uh, he, he's protecting Freddie Freeman. He's going to see a lot more pitches. It's just he has a lot. This lineup is a lot better than the Cardinals were last year. I expect him to bounce back. Maybe not fully that breakout Miami season that he had a couple years ago, but I think he's going to get a lot closer to that. And um, you have Acuna, Albies, and Freeman in front of you. There's a lot of opportunity for RBIs. It's just this this that top four is going to be something else. Uh, the only thing I love Albies. The only knock on him is he can be a little streaky. Um, Pretty actually, he can be a lot of streaky. Uh, the only thing, sometimes he goes into those lulls where he'll go two for 42 on you, and then you're just stuck. But then he busts out and gets 10 hits in his next 12 at bats. He's he's some guy that 
he gets on base, he hits he hits for power for a second baseman, a middle infielder. Um, I just some you want to try and avoid those those cold streaks. That's it. Yeah, no, and uh, I, that's a great point. Um, you know, I did look into his streaks and his stretches throughout the season. I think the one positive you could take from it is that he's not a like a season splits kind of guy. He's not a guy that's hot in the beginning of the season or hot at the end of the season and then cold for the other half. He just goes on random month streaks where, mm-hmm. you know, you look at his numbers, he might be hot in May, <laughs> cold in June, hot in July, cold in August. Uh, he just goes on those little spells. So it's not necessarily something that you have to be concerned with or for season splits. But, yeah, he's, he's definitely a streaky hitter. Um, I think he almost had a direct split for his home runs on the season uh, for the first half and second half, maybe two or three off when you look at those numbers. But uh, definitely a little bit of a, of a streaky hitter. And one thing I wanted to talk about with Ozuna, when looking at his numbers, you know, 12 stolen bases last season, Santino, that's the most of his career. I think the highest he had prior to that was five during his rookie season. Uh, You know, the Cardinals were one of the teams that you could say, uh, you know, ran the most. I think they were third uh, in the MLB in stolen bases while the Braves were nine. So not too much of a big discrepancy. Both teams like to run a lot. The Cardinals were pretty much forced to run a little bit more because we've talked about this in the past. They had to manufacture their own runs with that struggling lineup. It's not like they had a, you know, Goldschmidt's bat. Uh, He looks like he's a guy that kind of is taking a a turn for the worst with his career. But um, do you expect those stolen base numbers to maybe stick or do you expect him to kind of dip down a little bit, uh, knowing that he's going to be batting cleanup now? He's going to have runners on more. And, uh, you know, they just don't run as much as the Cardinals. Um, I mean, he was batting in the heart of the order on the Cardinals, but it was a lot different of a lineup. I I can see him maybe stealing 10 bases, but I don't see much more than that. If that uh, you, you have, when you have Okuna, Albies, Freeman in front of you, odds are somebody's going to be on base. Uh, Freeman's almost a career OBP hitter or OBP guy of nearly 400, probably in the 390s. Albies is a really good OBP guy for a middle infielder. Acuna, we mentioned, he strikes out a lot, but he gets on base a lot. Um, I don't know how much opportunity, or I think the opportunity for stealing second base, because he's not a guy who's a threat to steal third. Uh, let's just get that out of the uh, the way there. But <laughs> if someone's on base, you can't really steal second. You, you just there's not many opportunity for a double steal. And I don't think Azuna's a guy you're going to want to double steal on. Uh, so if, if this lineup is the improvement that it looks like it should be from the Cardinals, I think his opportunities are going to dwindle. But if no one's on, um, I mean, it depends who's going to bat behind him. I think they're going to, they might slot Ender and CRT behind him. And he's more of a slap hitter, ground ball hitter. So maybe they want him to get a little, uh, like a head start in there. Like, um, <clears throat> to try and avoid the double play. But yeah, I don't see him running that much. Uh, 10 tops to me. It's, it's very hard. I think they want him to bring in those guys when they're on base. Yeah. And, and 12 stolen bases doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you're talking about a guy's value, um, you know, you're looking at a guy that does have 30 plus home run potential. And when you even bring in 10 to 15 steals into play, that's a major difference maker in their overall season value. So uh, it's something I wanted to touch on just because we're not expecting necessarily stolen bases from Azuna. I'm sure if you drafted him last season, you weren't expecting 12 stolen bases from him. But at the end of the day, you're probably pretty happy with it. Um, it's, it's definitely a little bonus added to his value. Uh, there's another guy I really wanted to talk about, Santino. It's another guy I'm very high on. Um, I want to get your take on him. Uh, he, you know, he had a little bit of a, a tale of two ta- uh, takes last season, and it's Danby Swan- Dansby Swanson. Yep. Um, you know, he's going to start shortstop for him. 
Uh, he suffered through a little bit of injuries last season. And, you know, before the injuries, he looked like he was on his way to a breakout season. Uh, once their top prospect, and I think a lot of people forget about the hype surrounding Dansby Swanson. Uh, I believe he was a first overall pick in the draft, was he not? Am I wrong on that one? Yeah, he was He was once the top prospect in the entire game for a few years there. Uh, before he came up, he was part of that major trade that they made with the um, the Diamondbacks. And he was the, the major get back in there. I like him. Uh, I, I really like him. I, I mean, they get they only traded Shelby Miller, but uh, <laughs> let's see how that panned out. But I, I like Dansby Swanson this year, especially in a DFS league. I think I mentioned him yesterday. I called him Dawson because that's how I like to refer him. D. Swanson, just easier to say. Um, but he's a guy who, like you said, he was he was starting to break out last year before things uh, derailed. But the first couple months of the season, he was really good. He was starting to look like the player that we all hoped he would be. And if he could be even 80% of the the hit tool or the prospect that he looked coming up through the system, um, this lineup's going to be even scarier because you just add him to an, an, another or another player to this young core. And wow, he might even bat five. He might bat behind Ozuna. And he'll see, if he does do that, he'll see a ton of pitches uh, to be able to bring in people who are going to be on base. And he's a guy that's going to come cheap in DFS and, and season long leagues, whatever it is. I like him. Um, maybe... If you wait on a shortstop in your drafts, he's a guy that I would definitely target. If um, he's just someone, and, and if you want to get him as a second shortstop, maybe uh, later in the draft just to see what he does, uh, I don't think there's any risk in, involved. I think there's only upside taking him. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm with you. I, I, I was gonna, I was planning on targeting him heavily going into my drafts this season. Um, I'd almost be okay with him as just my first shortstop. I, I have complete faith in him. When you just look at the numbers before he got hurt. Pre-All-Star numbers, the guy had 341 at-bats. He was batting 270, 17 home runs, 57 RBIs. Uh, one big thing, I like 19 doubles uh, and 341 at-bats with seven stolen bases, 58 runs with an 823 OPS. That was prior to getting hurt and prior to the All-Star break. Now, the splits, Santino, coming back from the All-Star break uh, when he was battling, I believe it was uh, shoulder uh, soreness. I think he hurt his shoulder. 142 at-bats, 204 average, no home runs. Eight RBIs, seven doubles, 19 runs with a 569 OPS. He is not that bad of a player. He is not going to have a 569 OPS. Uh, he's not going to go through, I mean, a stretch like that. That was clearly due to injury. So I'm expecting a big bounce back season. I think we can expect uh, the possibility of looking like a 28 to 30 home run guy, uh, probably stealing, could steal easily 20, 20 stolen bases. Uh, I think that upside is there for him. Uh, 57 RBIs in, in that initial stretch. I mean, I'm not going to expect 100 from him, especially if he's batting, uh, you know, maybe if he's batting fifth, but if he's batting, you know, sixth or seventh, I wouldn't expect 100 RBIs or 100 runs. But, you know, I can easily see an 85, 85, high 20 home runs, uh, you know, high teens, low 20 stolen bases. And you're talking about potentially a top, what, six shortstop in the league at that point? Uh, yeah, I mean, 85 runs that that's the only one I don't know if he'll hit because he's if he's batting six, seven in the National League, not many people will be able to bring him in on that. But everything else is very attainable. And you mentioned the splits after the All-Star break. The one thing about those splits is that they'll help you um, if he didn't have that bad second half. There's no way he would be not a top 10 shortstop drafted, uh, not over 26, 2700 in DFS, I think that that second half injury plagued uh, second half there is huge for him because now we're going to get him at a discount. You're going to get him 
he's going to look underrated. I think he's easily, I think he's going to top, top 10 shortstop list this year. And um, I'm very happy that he's not getting the buzz because of that second half. It, it's, it's funny because um, in fantasy and, and whatever you, you look for who's going to break out, but sometimes bad, like a uh, couple months hurt a player's value and it only helps you going into there. If you're, if you're savvy enough to realize that this guy is very talented and he started to put it together, uh, look past that second half because I think he's in for a very good season. Yeah. I think that's uh, a lot of fantasy owners biggest mistakes is how quickly they're willing to write off top prospects, uh, especially in baseball, just because it's, it's what have you done for me lately? And it's the new shiny toys that are coming up where, you know, you're, you're quick to forget about these guys were, you know, at one point, first, second, third overall picks. Uh, and in baseball, you know, not everybody is a Ronald Acuna and comes up and immediately or a Juan Soto and immediately has like game altering impact. Uh, some guys have to put things together. They take some time. A lot of times you see with pitchers, they generally take a few uh, a few extra years. You see like their, their breakouts generally happen around that 25 to 26 uh, year old range, whereas hitters, they can generally come up and be a, a little bit more impactful. But I mean, we're talking about a guy that is, you know, young <laughs> he's still yeah. young this whole team is young these guys have a lot of room for improvement and i really wanted to talk about swanson because i think he was probably one of my favorite sleeper shortstops coming into the season and i think a lot of that is just due to you know the nature of how the games shifted i mean we're talking about uh, a league where at one point we were gravitating towards shortstops heavily in fantasy drafts because it was a shallow position where you know i can remember years ago there was four five top guys you wanted one of those four or five top guys otherwise you, you pretty much weren't taking somebody till later you know like your uh your Miguel Tejada Derek Jeter Garcia Parra Hanny Ramirez days and then we went A-Rod the, A-Rod yeah. well yeah he shifted over to third but yes definitely A-Rod obviously one of the greatest shortstops in my opinion of all time uh, and then you go over to you know that that generation where we had no one it was it was a dry spell at shortstop where you know, there was a few guys that, you know, might find themselves. I think we were talking about like, you know, Troy Tulowitzki's and guys like that who would find themselves at the top of drafts. But, uh, you know, now we're back into the generation where it's I think there's probably 15 quality shortstops you can use uh, in, in a standard fantasy league and be OK with it. And when you're talking about a guy that can potentially break into the top five of that, uh, that you're getting in that 15 range, sign me up all. Yeah, it. it's funny because. So as you mentioned, like the shortstops, the last 10 years or so, there's been a ton of influx on top prospects being shortstops. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday that not always um, – I mean you get the very few guys as always in that breakthrough right, at, right out of the gate. But usually middle infielders and mainly shortstops, it takes them a couple of years to develop. They're mainly um, – their swings don't translate as quickly as uh, like an outfielder, say Acuna, I, I would translate. It's just how it's been – throughout the history of the game but lately some people have been different like Carlos Correa came onto the scene and it just burst right on Javier Baez burst onto the scene and then he went into his prolonged slump and now he was in the MVP con- um, conversation but some a lot of times it takes shortstops a couple years to hit their stride and I think Swanson's it taking him I think this year is going to be the year that he starts to um, get to that can't miss prospect that he was a couple years ago yeah, and I think uh, to touch on your point with, you know, a lot of guys, you know, shortstops taking some time, I think it's mostly because we look at these players in the minors, in high school, in college, and, you know, generally the the best players you'll see on, on the team are playing either shortstop, catcher, center field. or yeah. center field, and it's because those are the most transversible, if that's a word, positions. 
Uh, you know, if you could play shortstop, you could play third, you could play second. If you could play center field, you could play left, you could play right. And if you can catch, you could probably play any position. Um, this is the, the bottom line. And that's where you like you like to see a lot of these guys kind of get groomed and home groomed playing because, you know, maybe you already draft a guy and he's playing. He's maybe shortstops his natural position. And you guys already have Carlos Correa or somebody at shortstop. You can easily slot this guy over at second or at third, yeah. or you can even play him in left field, right field. These guys are usually the best defenders on the team. So I'm, I'm okay with it, you know, seeing a guy come up and, and change his position. It's Dansby Swanson's a naturally a shortstop. I don't see anybody challenging him for that position, though. So I think that's uh, I think we touched on Swanson enough to know how much where people know how much <laughs> we like him. So we're gonna we're gonna keep going. A little a couple other guys I want to touch on this lineup. I don't think we need to spend too much time on Freddie Freeman. It's he's a stud. <laughs> there's no, there's not much more that needs to be said. He's probably gonna be one of the league leaders in OBP. Uh, great for DFS just because you get that security blanket of knowing he's most likely gonna at least take a walk during that game. Uh, he's got one of the best eyes. He's been in the heart of the heart of the lineup in one of the best lineups. He's gonna have Albies and Acuna in front of him or Zuna behind him. There we go. I think that's enough yep. we need to say I, about Freddie and I, Freeman. He's I mentioned really I mentioned Albies goes on his um hot or cold streak sometimes freddie freeman is probably the most outside of trout the most consistent player in baseball and that's all you need to know on him bottom line and and anything that you're looking at from down seasons and he's a guy that i still think has room for improvement just because a lot of people gravitate towards those down seasons where he was dealing with wrist injuries and you know anybody that's played baseball or knows baseball if you're dealing with a wrist injury at the plate a lot of your power gets a lot of your bat yeah. speed gets sapped. A lot. It, it's just it's drastic. I mean, you'd almost rather have like a, a torn hamstring than be dealing with sore wrists at the plate. Uh, it's wrists a tough and thing shoulders to deal with. Are, yeah. are very and even I mean, elbows, pre- pretty much anything on your arm. Yeah, uh, we've seen it. I mean, we've seen Freeman with his wrist injuries, his down seasons. We've seen Bryant with his shoulder injuries and his down seasons. And, yep. you know, looking to target these guys that come off of injuries who, you know, have the skill set. They know how they have the eye at the plate. Uh, they're in the heart of it, it's all the makings for just gravitating towards them. I mean, Freeman's going to be a first round pick in most leagues, if not back end first round pick, second, early second, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, he's a guy, another guy that wouldn't shock me at the end of the season if he's in MVP conversation or top five uh, in fantasy like value. Ever or the last couple of years when he's been healthy. Yep. So uh, there's a few other guys I guess we could touch on, you know, talking about, we talked about Enciarte. Uh, Johan Camargo is another guy. He should be slotted in at the starting third base job. Um, solid guy you can look at in DFS just because you know he's going to have a cheap price tag. He's going to get overlooked often. He'll probably be towards the bottom of the lineup, which is okay because that still leaves him some opportunity to score some runs knowing that Acuna and Albies and Freeman are going to be following him up. So he's a guy that I'm not gravitating towards season-long leagues or anything like that, but I wanted to mention him for DFS because I wouldn't expect his price tag to be any higher than like 31 or 3200, uh, and he's a good guy to target when you're looking at just trying to get some exposure to this, but you don't necessarily want to riddle yourself and pay up for the you know three top guys in the lineup. You can get some exposure to him and still get a decent game stack. And one thing I noticed with this team, Santino, is they got some pretty good pinch hitters. Yeah. Uh, you know, the guys that are going to be coming off the bench and, you know, we talked about Austin Riley a little bit and you want to talk about splits and strikeouts, man. Um, that's the guy. I mean, coming out of the gate with one of the hottest maze that we've seen and we can remember uh, just the numbers that this guy put up at the beginning of the season. He was a, a hot ticket, and a big free agent wire ad. Everybody probably ran and grabbed him and thought that they just won their league because uh, he came out of the gate with 59 at bats in May, seven home runs, 20 RBIs. A big 21 strikeouts, let that be known. Guy struck out in a third of his at-bats. But he was batting 356 with a one a 1143 OPS. So uh, that's the good. 
the bad, he strikes out in just about half his plate appearances. So, yeah, uh, you know, this is Austin Riley. Yes, the upside's there. We've seen sent plenty of players early on in their careers show this kind of power and show this kind of strikeout upside. You know, Joey Gallo being one of them. We talk about Chris Davis. We talk both Chris Davises, K. Riss and Chris. Uh, you know, we've seen guys use this power to their advantage. But it takes some time to get the to get the discipline at the plate. I don't expect the discipline to be there for him. It's gonna, you know, if he grabs a hold of one of these everyday jobs, he's gonna be very, very streaker, streaky. And in my opinion, he's still worth just picking up and keeping an eye on, uh, just for the tantalizing upside that is there. But I want to hear your take on Austin Riley. Are you expecting, you know, a lot of the similar seasons still gonna struggle at the plate? Or are you looking for some improvement? Uh, I think, I mean, every, young hitters, We sometimes we expect them to just burst onto the scene, and that's not always realistic. Uh, we mentioned it with Dansby Sponson. You, you come up through the system, you're you're crushing the minor leagues, and then you get to the majors. This guy, he did burst onto the scene, but then he just hit his rough patch. Uh, I expect obvious improvement. I don't know if he's going to turn into an all-star this year. I, I would bet against that, but I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't know. What's going to happen this year? Because you mentioned Johan Camargo. They were coming into camp in a battle. Uh, they were both being really good in spring training, and it was projected that they were both actually going to make the roster. Initially, they were going to say whoever lost was going to go down to AAA so they can get regular at-bats. But it looked like before everything halted that they were going to bring keep both of them on the roster and keep that competition going in season. So whoever got hot was going to play. So that's an interesting tidbit that I would – be aware of right there uh whoever if someone has a hot may or i don't know when we're going to start now but uh whoever has a hot opening season or or month or so whatever it is when we start uh might take the job and for the long haul if they can keep it up so that's something i would definitely watch i like austin riley's uh, power potential uh it's very tantalizing he just got a kind of like a kuna and he he just has to cut down on his strikeouts i think that comes with time I'm not going to say he's on Acuna's level, but he has um, he has he has potential to be a really good guy in this lineup. Maybe even bat fifth if he can keep it clicking. I I hope he can cut down on those strikeouts and possibly take the job. Camargo's a better defender, so he has that going for him. But something I'm definitely watching out on those two. And I I know you mentioned uh, Camargo as a 3100. I think that's way uh, a lot expensive for him. I think he's actually going to be around like 25, 2600. Make him even a better option. If he keeps that job. But uh, yeah, um, I think uh, I, I like both of those guys going into the season. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. OK, I think my mic got uh, my mic muted accidentally. I got I'm having some technical difficulties. Yeah, no, but I, <laughs> I, meant, I meant to jump in there. On uh, on on the Camargo and yeah, he, he is a great defender. Um, I I don't think he's you know 31 might be a little high. Uh, you look at some of the players. Acuna is probably a guy that's around that 5500 range. You're looking at uh, Freeman's probably at that five to 51, and then you look at a guy like Ozuna would probably be around that 38. Uh, $3,700 range, maybe a little bit more. It might even hit 4K. So I say Camargo at 31, just to, and, and that's probably, like you said, being a little overzealous. We're probably looking at more of that, like 28 to $2,700 range. And yeah, not a bad guy to, to target in that kind of range. Not a guy I'm going to be playing every day, but more of a splits type hitter. Um, and then there's a few other bats, though, too. So we talked about Riley, you know, whether he comes off the bench, starts, he's going to get at bats this season. And if he can stay hot and cut the strikeouts down, you're very right. You could just take over that job. But then they also have another matcher, Evan Duval. 
uh, former Cincinnati Reds. I know you, you're a Reds guy over there, Santino. So, uh, you know, a guy that we've seen possess some power, very streaky hitter, another guy that can strike out. And then they have Jordan Alonso, uh, another guy who we've seen just be a stable hitter throughout his career. Uh, yes, there's not a spot for him at first base, but he could very well be the DH. Uh, and I, it's going to be, you know, a great guy, the pinch hit. I like these bench bats. I don't expect any of them to necessarily be guys that we're going to be targeting on a daily basis. But these spot starts, I love these bench bats. And I think these bench bats are guys I'm going to be targeting in DFS on a regular basis when they do draw a start. Yeah, no, don't disrespect the old man, Nick Marcakis. He's on there, too. Uh, they just got to throw some love to him. He's he's a pretty solid ball player. I don't think he's going to start. But uh, I know we mentioned the Riley. I mentioned the Riley and Camargo camp battle. There's something also that they weren't doing, but is also another possibility. Ender Inciarte, if that dude struggles again, they have options to replace him. And Austin Riley did play some outfield last year because they did have Donaldson at third base. It's not out of the question to put Acuna or, or Ozuna at center field. They both can play that position and then put Riley at one of the corner outfield spots if Inciarte struggles. He's more of a leadoff hitter. If you're batting him five, I don't know if he's going to drive in runs like that. So if Riley and Camargo are both hitting, um, they'll find a way to get him, both of them in the lineup if they're both hitting. And I think Endia and Sierra makes the most sense to take out. All right. Yeah. Hey, I'm not a huge Enciarte guy, uh, but when I think of him, I just think this guy's solid. You know, he's just yeah, not going to hurt you anywhere, but he's also not going to probably go out there and win you games either. Yeah, he's not a bad player. But I mean, if if you have two people mashing the ball, he's he's definitely an option to take out. And then. He gets lethal off the bench because he's a, a pinch runner who could steal you anytime he gets on the ba- uh, in the game. So I mean, that's another late late inning option if that ever happened to where you're after going to fear the guy on the base pass. All right, man. Well, we're gonna we've been spending a lot of time on the lineup, and uh, <laughs> I mean, rightfully so. It's one of the best lineups in the league when we talk about just pure talent and pure sexiness from these young players. So we're gonna slide right over to their young pitching staff. Uh, you know, two of their top pitchers are. Young guys who pre- pre- uh, present tons of upside. I know you're a big Mike Soroka guy, Santino. So I'm going to start off with their ace. And, you know, came onto the scene. He may not be the best strikeout pitcher. He only averaged about 7.2 Ks per nine. Uh, but the kid has great control. He's got four pitches that all seem to work for him. He has a good combination of those pitches. He throws a two-seamer, a slurve, a four-seamer. And then I believe it's a, it's a circle change, which is, uh, you know, one of the most effective changeups, in my opinion. I love that pitch. I was never a very good baseball player, Santino. It was the changeup I threw, but I think the best thing about the circle change is the way that you can hide it. Uh, it kind of looks like a fastball coming out of the hand, and he does throw a two and a four seam. So it's a great put-away pitch and a great off-speed pitch, and he, ha- he seems to have a lot of success with it. Uh, but, you know, one thing I want to talk about when it's talking about, I guess, Soroka and just this Braves uh, pitching staff in general is the way that they get ground balls, Santino. I mean, we're talking about they have two pitchers in the top five uh, in in fly ball to ground ball ratio right now. And Soroka was second in the league with a 3.47 ground ball to strike or fly ball ratio. Um, I, I mean, this guy limits his damage. He doesn't he doesn't allow a lot of damage when guys are on the ba- uh, base path. And I'm expecting a nice little uh, a nice little uptick in his production this season as he can just go on there and get another season under his belt and, you know, a little bit more durable. I mean, now we're not going to have to worry about innings as much as for guys like Soroka and for Freed with a shortened season. And um, I, I'm fully expecting, you know, Soroka, if he didn't already, you know, we saw Bieber kind of take that next step. Soroka took a next step himself and they were pretty close in the rankings. But uh, I think those are two very comparable guys when we look at Soroka and Bieber. And I wanted to get your opinion on that. 
Yeah, Soroka's a stud, uh, former first-round pick of his team. He, ever since he came from Canada, he, this dude has just been everything you'd expect. The only thing that's held him back to this point, he's only pitched under 30 starts in the league or a little over 30 starts in the majors, is shoulder injuries. Um, it, this is a guy who's going to have to keep up a shoulder regimen program throughout his career to keep it strong because he there's like a deteriorating issue in that. But it's not something that's going to prevent him um, from pitching. I mean, it's it's something that's going to he's going to have to keep up, but it's not something that's going to uh, affect his career. This dude's lights out. You mentioned it. He knows how to locate pitches. He knows how to where to throw them, when to throw them. He's very deceptive. And the way he pitches, it's just throughout the minor league system. He he's he doesn't blow you away with his stuff. He's kind of I mentioned it with Kyle Hendricks. It's kind of like a in the Greg Maddox mold. He doesn't blow you away with his stuff, but his pitches are effective, and they're just the way when he throws them, he makes he knows what he's doing on that mound, and he knows how to get outs. He knows when to make pitches so he gets those outs. Um, a lot of ground balls. You mentioned it. Student lives on ground balls and double plays, but he's just he's elite. Uh, I'm sorry. I know it's, he's only had one one full year, but uh, when he's not injured, this guy is something special to watch on the mound. Um, it, it Very few people are as effective as him in his selection of pitches, and he knows how to get outs with those pitches. It's just I, I expect him to continue improving. I, I expect him to be in multiple um, Cy Young conversations, maybe not win it, but going forward, he's everything that I, I look for in an ace. I know last year he was um, – I think he was top six in the Cy Young last year. He, I thought he should have won or at least been close to Rookie of the Year, obviously not Rookie of the Year. But um, I think he finished second. But this dude, there's not enough good things to say about Mike Soroka that you can. And um, this staff in general, they have a lot of young talent. I know not all of them are going to start in the in the majors because they're going to have to start in AAA. They have about five, six really good guys. Um but Soroka leads the charge. Yeah, so I, I kind of lost you halfway through that, Santino. I'm not going to lie. I know I heard you hyping up Soroka hard. I know you think he's going to be a potential Cy Young candidate in the future. I did hear that, but I'm, I, I've been running into some difficulties over here. So can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Perfect. So I, I know you were high on Soroka. Um, I was high on him, too. I know that we both kind of went back and forth over the past few seasons during our hometown fantasy league owning him. Um, and I think... If the season does kick off, I think we'll probably both be uh, be jawing at each other during the draft trying to get a guy like that. And, you know, another guy that I, I have been a frequent owner of over the over the last season was Max Reed. Uh, so he's going to be their number two in the rotation. Very similar type of pitcher when you look at Soroka. He's another ground ball pitcher. So, you know, talking about that ground ball to fly ball uh, ratio, uh, Soroka being second in the league, Freed not far behind him at fifth with a 3.23 ground ball to fly ball ratio. So uh, he's another guy I'm expecting to take another little step forward. Um, <clears throat> one thing I was worried about coming into the season was innings for him as well. Uh, not a guy that's pitched very long into his career. The shortened season kind of takes that off the table for him, though, and we could probably expect him to see a nice full workload for most of the season. Um, really looking forward to him. And, you know, coming off of a decent season, he had a 4.02 ERA last season, 3.72 FIP, 24.6 K, uh, K percentage. But the ground ball ratio is 53.6, Santino. So, again, they just have a lot of guys in the rotation that can kind of limit this damage. And the thing I wanted to talk about with Freed 
is the way that his pitches look when they cross the plate. He has a, like a different a different tor- uh, type of pitch selection necessarily. So, you know, the normal way that a sinker might break and cause ground balls, he has like the opposite. His sinker is actually his, his greatest uh, fly ball ratio pitch as opposed to, you know, looking at some of his other ones where it's his, I think it's his curve. And, uh, you know, his slider, the way it breaks, it breaks differently across the plate where that's where he gets a lot of his ground balls are actually from his curveball and his slider. Slider is a predictable pitch to give you ground balls, but a curveball is not. That's usually a hanging pitch that you see get taken out of the yard. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what can we expect? Do you think that's going to be a little bit of something that we could probably see return to some normality, like an aberration? You know, normally you don't see, the, like I said, those sliders uh, equal ground balls and curveballs equal fly balls and everything. So do you expect some some a step of improvement from Max Reed or do you expect some of this to come down to normality? And, you know, we, we kind of see his pitches break the way that they're supposed to. I mean, this whole staff, um, Max Fried, another former first round pick, he was the top 10 pick not too long ago uh, by this team. I I don't think he's Mike Soroka. I think Mike Soroka is on another level than everybody in this staff, and they have a ton of prospects and a ton of very young, good young talent. Um, but I think Mike Max Reed is a really good starter in this league. I think he's more of a number three um, than a number two. But I don't see – I think he's a mid, mid-threes ERA kind of guy. Uh, hopefully he can lower his whip and, and uh, <clears throat> not have as many walks. But he's pretty good in his own right. I, I like him too. I wouldn't target him as much as Soroka. Uh, he gets more strikeouts, but I just – I don't think he's that as of elite guy as I think Mike is. Um, but Max Fried, yeah, I, I believe the the ground balls are still going to come. Sliders uh, – his slider dips in the zone, which is where you want it to be when you want to create ground balls. Um, and I believe if he can t- continue with getting a lot of ground balls that he get, gets, that brings up your double playability. Um, and that gets you out of innings a lot quicker. So I, I like him as well. Uh, this this whole staff is very young and could be inconsistent when you have young pitching staff like that. But they have so much tantalizing upside. Yeah, I think when it comes to Freed, he's he's a different type of pitcher, too, because it seems like, you know, all of his pitches have that sort of break to him that kind of that kind of force those ground balls. I think it's actually. Uh, his four seamer is was one of his best ground ball pitches, which you know when you say it out loud, his four seamer you know expect to be a straight pitch with high velocity, and he does have above average velocity, but it breaks. All of his pitches break, um, so he's never going to find himself giving up too much damage. I think he's always going to be one of those guys that can kind of eat in things when he does get a little later in his career, limiting the damage. And you, you touch on him all the time. Your boy Kyle Hendricks seems like he's just a great comp for Max Reed. So. Uh, if, we, if, if he ends up being the Kyle Hendricks for his career and ends up being a solid number two, number three pitcher, I think that's perfect for where he slots in. So yep. we're going to go on to the next guy, Mike fulton Santino. So this is a guy that is – he showed us tantalizing upside. He also showed us some of the worst stuff on the mound uh, <laughs> last season that we've ever seen. So I want to get your take on fulton um, are you in the middle? Do you expect maybe him to get back to some of that some of that elite season that he did have, where he was eating innings, getting over to, uh, almost 200 strikeouts, or do you expect him to kind of you know be that five mid fives, high fours ERA kind of guy that he was like last season? Um, I don't know if he's. I'm, I'm more in the middle. I don't. I don't think that that 2008 All Star season was realistic, and I don't think that of high fours, low or low fives ERA is where he slots in his career. I think the the all-star season was a little bit of an aberration. I don't think he's that good. I just also don't think he's that bad. I, maybe maybe low fours ERA um, to high threes, but he's besides that season, I mean, 
he's young, yes, and he hasn't had the experience, and it takes sometimes takes pitchers a little while to get it. But he's just never really shown me enough to where I want to buy into him. Even after this last year's season, he didn't. I mean, he was really good, but I just never believed it. I, maybe I'm completely wrong on it, but I just I don't know. There's they have a lot of young pitchers in here. And he's one of them that is all first round picks. They just loaded up on pitchers as they usually do. But I don't know. There's just something about him that I think he gives mm. up way too much hard contact for me. And I, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's, he's, he's a very boomer bust type guy to me. So when I'm looking at him in DFS, you got to understand that, you know, you could he could be one of those guys who's the eighth ranked pitcher on the board who finishes in the top three for scoring on the day. Or he's going to get massively shelled and cost you a lot of money. There's no in the middles. You can't really feel too overly confident when you play a guy like that. Uh, he's more or less like one of those GPP type pitchers I gravitate towards when I'm just trying to take down a tournament uh, and hope for the best. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's he's your number three pitcher, so he has that upside. He but he's also going to be a guy that I wouldn't be shocked if he's you know in the minors or out of the rotation by the end of the year because you know Cole Hamels is pretty much locked into that that fourth job. Uh, fourth in the rotation that's not going to change anywhere it's it's Cole Hamels I mean at this stage in his career we know what we're getting from him he's solid <laughs> he's not he's not the same guy that he was when he was pitching in Philadelphia obviously but uh he's still solid and then the fifth spot you know well, the Hamels age, was hurt uh, I mean his shoulder he wasn't resumed before everything shut down I'm assuming by then he will be but hopefully you can get into a program while uh and cleared while that all this is going on and get ready but if he's not they have a ton of options yeah, and then you, you they got King Felix over there now. Uh, you know, Sean Newcomb is probably a guy that's vying for that last uh, starting role. If Hamels isn't ready to go, you'll see Sean Newcomb in the rotation. If Felix Hernandez struggles like he has over the past few years of his career, you'd probably see Newcomb slot right in there for him. Um, and Newcomb's a guy that, you know, I, I was high on coming in. Uh, mostly because he was a guy that went to UHart, University of Hartford, not too far from us. Yeah. Uh, funny yep. story, he actually was college roommates with uh, my coworker. So my college, my coworker played college ball at UHart, and they were roommates together up there. So he's always telling me these crazy Sean Newcomb stories and stuff like that. So maybe it's a little bit of bias for me, but I, I was high on Newcomb. Uh, he was pitching well last year until he took a comebacker. Uh, the comebacker basically threw off the rest of his season, concussion symptoms and stuff like that after that. Came back following it, but just wasn't the exact same. So I have a little bit more leeway for a guy like Newcomb, who's still pretty young and still has some decent upside in him. So I, yeah. I would uh, I would much rather, I don't know about you, I think I'd rather see him in there over Hernandez. I think we know what we're getting out of King Felix at this point, and you never want to tarnish like a guy's career like that because he was just lights out in his prime. And sometimes people forget how good of a pitcher he actually was. But, you know, it, it, almost kind of like that Archer syndrome where, you know, when guys start to lose it and they start to get figured out and they're, they're losing a little stuff on their pitches as they get a little bit older, injuries start to set in. Give it to the young guys at this point. And we're going to move right into the bullpen unless you want to touch on Sean Newcomb or, or King Felix or anything like that. Um, I think Felix, Felix is just a veteran. He's an aging veteran at this point. He'll get you some innings. But like you said, he doesn't have the upside. I like Newcomb. Uh, I'm with you on that. I kind I like him more than Faulty. I'll put that on record. I, I think he has more upside in my opinion. But they do have options if if all if some of these guys falter. Like uh, Bryce Wilson is another first round pick. Your boy Tuki Tucson is a, another top former top pick, and he has he's shown that he could be very effective in strikeout rate. Kyle Wright, another first round pick. Uh, they have a lot of these options in AAA. Uh, some of these guys, Rice. Tuki right they all came up last year uh had a little cup of tea didn't do the greatest but I mean 
if these guys falter, this team has is very young and deep. Absolutely, I'm a big I'm a big Tuki guy. Uh, I just like saying his name, <laughs> Tuki Toussaint. Uh, and then we'll, we'll slide over to the bullpen. Mark Melanson looks like he's going to be slated to be the closer, but, you know, he doesn't have, I guess, he's probably the best option. I wouldn't say he has a firm grip on the job by any means. Will Smith behind him is a very capable closer as well. Uh, but they have a deep bullpen in general. You know, Shane Green, Luke Jackson, Darren O'Day, great setup guys, great guys that they can rely on. Um, I'm looking forward to this bullpen. I think it will probably be uh, one of the better bullpens in the league. I'm not expecting Mark Melanson to be one of the better closers in the league, but I think as a bullpen in general, um, they have the depth. And we talked about a lot of these guys that are young and what way to introduce them when you have, you know, a rotation that's filled and you want to get a long reliever, like you could bring in Toki to be a long reliever. If that's uh, the case, if they want to use him, Um, I can easily see him coming up and playing that kind of role where he's just eating three innings until there's a starting spot and job available for him. So I'm, I'm really into this bullpen. Uh, I mean, Mark Melanson's a guy that I've liked throughout his career. Every, you know, when he was pitching in Pittsburgh, he went over there to uh, the Bay after that. Kind of struggled when he was in San Fran a little bit, but still a guy that's overall very good. A little bit, a little bit aged at this point, so I don't think we're going to get any sort of ceiling seasons from him anymore. But definitely a serviceable guy that I can see getting a lot of save opportunities on this team. Yeah, definitely. This bullpen is really good. Uh, they have a lot of people who have closer experience in the past, uh, about four or five, uh, a handful of people who've closed games in the past. They've have a lot of very different setup men and um, middle or bridges that you have to get you to that closer. And I think it's going to be a very effective bullpen, uh, especially if this young staff does go through its lulls and, and falters. But yeah, this this team all around is is one of the better teams in the league. All right. Well, we just spent way too much time on the Braves. Um, yep. <laughs> this is going to be a longer podcast, but we're OK with that just because this is two fun teams that we were really looking forward to talking about. We touched on just about everybody. So why don't you just dive right into us? Let's take it into the Astros. Uh, you know, a lot of youth, a lot of young pitching, a, a lot of old pitching, um, but a lot of things that we can look forward to this team. One of my favorite uh, players in the MLB is on this team, Santino. So I want you to jump right into this and let us know uh, what we should keep an eye out. Uh, yeah, so we mentioned it earlier. Uh, when you hear Astros, it's coming hand in hand with cheating um, because it's it was the big breaking story throughout the summer. Uh, and then we didn't have any baseball right now, so it's still lingering. But we're gonna we're gonna move past it. And we already touched upon if you're putting cheating um, at the forefront and you're not touching these guys because of it, it's gonna be your loss. And I can't emphasize that enough. It's going to be your loss if you're going to downgrade some of these guys because you don't like what happened. Um, but yeah, let's. T- I'll jump right into the pitching staff because I'll save that uber sexy lineup for uh, a little bit uh, later in the in the podcast. But pitching staff, the ace of the league, um, Justin Verlander. He's still a. He's still showing that he's a top five pitcher even at age 57. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, he's, he's going to be 37 this year, and uh, it's just – like I said with Max Scherzer last night uh, yesterday in yesterday's podcast, this guy, it, it just seems like he doesn't die. He had that one one year about five, six years ago where he had an ERA over four in the mid-fours, um, and we thought, ooh, is this the year? Is, is this how Justin Verlander goes down? He's always been one of the hardest throwers in the league. Uh, this was a very bad year for him, um, but – this dude just bounced back ever since he's been on Houston. His, oh my, he's been lights out the last two years uh, since they traded for him before the trade deadline a couple years ago. 
he got him to the World Series, and that was the year they won. Uh, he had a 106 ERA in that time frame. Uh, the last two years, he's been number two, and then last year he won in the Cy Young Award. He's been top 10 in the MVP voting both years. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic. He's he's led the league in whip. Um, he's led the league in, in starts. He's had over 200 innings pitched each of those two years, the last four years, actually, but each of those two years on the Astros, he's hit um, nearly, he's averaged 295 strikeouts per season on the Astros, 295 strikeouts. Uh, how many people you can say that probably just two. Um, he doesn't walk that he only, he walks under two people per nine innings. Home run rate is a little, is a little up, but I'll take that if he's striking out so many people and going deep into games and just being Justin Verlander. Uh, this guy is a stud. It, it's, it's very hard to count on a 37 year old, but a guy who's still throwing high 90s and is still this effective with a lineup that is this good, I'll take him all day. I'm sorry. In the right matchups, there's there's no way around it. You got to take him. Yeah, I don't even think there's a bad matchup for a guy like that. He's like one of those matchup-proof type pitchers where I think when it's all said and done at the end of his career, will be known as one of the greatest pitchers of our generation. I mean, just the longevity he's had throughout his career and the consistent numbers that he puts up every season, I think it gets over overlooked. Um, I, I mean, that might just be a little yeah. bit of a hot take. I don't think people necessarily overlook Justin Verlander. I think people know how good he is. But, you know, sometimes it gets taken for granted just the absolute overall consistency uh, that he puts up every single season. So I'm with you. I'm really looking forward to a nice, you know, a nice another year from him. I think the late start the season definitely helped because he was a guy that was dealing with some injury uh, mm -hmm. that we he wasn't even expected to be in the rotation at the beginning of the season. And now due to this, uh, you know, whole pandemic, we're going to see him probably get a, a full a full season's worth, I guess, a full shortened season's worth of workload. So really yeah. looking forward to him. He had a, I know he had a mild lat strain that came out of nowhere, and he had a, a groin injury where he had surgery a couple weeks before, um, or mid mid last month he had groin surgery, but we don't know when we're gonna start, so I assume that he's going to be healthy and ready to go once the season hits. Uh, he has a lot of time to recover on that, so yeah. I also don't. love watching him pitch, and when he, he's one of those dudes that when you see gets like a bad call from an umpire. He comes out the very next pitch and turns up the velocity like three miles an hour because he's pissed yeah. off. And that's one of my favorite things about watching <laughs> him pitch is like he's one of those guys that you just don't want to piss off because, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're going to end up you're going to get the best stuff. He turns it up a notch. He's really it Can't say enough how good he is. And he, uh, he's married to Kate up to that. You know. Yeah, he's, he's a winner in life and he's a winner on the field. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't say enough how good he is. Like, this guy has nothing going wrong against him. Uh, but number two in in the rotation, another guy who's uh, pretty ancient. It's it's it, this is the recipe to win, I guess. But another guy who's going to turn 36 very soon. Uh, I think next month, I believe. I believe his birthday's end of May or something. Uh, but Zach Greinke, another guy who looked like he might be coming down for a second, but he's not. Um, he had that like another ERA in the fours when he hit, uh, when he went to Arizona the first year and we thought, Ooh, is he, is he the same guy that was off of, uh, that awesome, um, Cy Young worthy campaign when he had an ERA in the, like the, the mid ones. But ever since that season, he's gotten back to a very good guy. He's been an all-star ever since, um, last year on, uh, he had a really good season he helped the, when they traded for him in the at the all-star break or the trade deadline he helped him get to the world series game seven i was very effective on the astros i think he had a three two eight whip or fip uh a, a little a whip over just over one 
similar strikeout rate. It was it was a little less than normal, but that's the only thing that he doesn't do as good as Verlander or other top tier pitchers is his strikeouts are a little low. But he goes deep into games, and you know you're going to get innings from him. And when you get a lot of innings, you get strikeouts. Maybe his strikeout rate is under a K per nine, which it is. But if I'd rather have him go seven, 7.2 innings and get you six strikeouts than someone go five innings and get me five strikeouts, you, you get more in the DFS world with the more innings you pitch anyway. And he doesn't give up a lot of contact. Uh, his his career whip is 1.16. That's that's very good over a career. Uh, so he's another guy who's just a reliable old vet. And he's not Justin Verlander, but he isn't. he's very good in his own right. Yeah, one of the best control pitchers um, of this generation, I would say. Just looking at for throughout his career, even when he was on, uh, you know, KC, uh, dude has always been a great control pitcher. Strikeouts have never been part of his game, but you touched on it. Uh, in DFS, we get points for every inning this guy pitches. Uh, we get points for, uh, obviously, the KC does get, but these two pitchers may be, if we're talking about pitchers with the highest likelihood to lead the majors in wins, they could easily both be those two guys as well. Uh, And they're both on the same team. I mean, this lineup, we've touched on it several times. It's going to be one of the best lineups in baseball. And we're talking about two guys that we know are going to go deep into games and they have great stuff to kind of manage the situation along the way. So I'm with you. I've always been a big Granky guy. I think that he's another guy that I think last season, coming into last season, he was getting uh, drastically overlooked. I think a little, people will be a little bit more keen on him this season, just seeing that nice uh, that nice way he put together and kind of bounce back, like you said, off that rough Arizona year that he had. So I don't expect him to have the same discount that he did last season, but I do expect like very similar, if not identical, production. Yeah. And then those are the two big guns in this rotation. And I'd even put this third guy in there, uh, but he has a question mark. He's coming off a whole missed season with Tommy John. And that's Lance McCullers. Uh, Lance McCullers was a stud before he got hurt. No other way around it. Uh, you might not, People might not be familiar with him or know this name, but this guy can pitch. Uh, he could throw hard. He can get outs. He strikes out a lot of people. He's just very, very good. And as a number three starter, I said it yesterday with Patrick Corbin, but a healthy McCullers, I'd, I'd take McCullers over him. I don't think there's many better number three starters in the league than this guy. And um, the only knock on him is he did miss all of last season, so they will probably manage, manage his minutes. I don't think he's going to come close to 200 innings. I think 170 is even a leap. But again, we don't know how much baseball we're going to play. I don't know. I'm, I'm saying it as a, a full season. But we might not even get to that, and that is only going to benefit this guy. If we're not, if we're playing half a season in, in the majors, and he doesn't have to worry about his innings limit, ooh, sky's the limit for this guy. Because I don't care if he's coming off an injury. A lot of times, people are actually better coming off this Tommy John surgery initially, and that, that's just how it is. But this guy can pitch, and he's going to be special in this league if he can stay healthy. Um, I, there's nothing. He he does everything you want in a pitcher, and he strikes out a lot of people. Yeah, no, I and I think one thing that we can, you know, maybe take into consideration, and yes, we have to worry about, you know, the innings coming off an injury and everything like that, but the Astros are a perennial playoff team at this point. Um, they're going to want Lance McCullers in playoffs. So you can imagine down the stretch, they might want this guy to try to get a few extra innings, go a little bit deeper into games to gear him up for the get playoff ready. 
you know, they're going to basically rely on these three guys mostly for a lot of their rotation and uh, during the playoffs. So I'm expecting him to be a big part of that. And then taking a full season off last season due to that Tommy John, they're going to want to try to get him into that playoff shape. So maybe he doesn't come out of the gate throwing six, seven innings or anything like that. Maybe they keep him on like a five inning regiment, uh, go to their bullpen. The bullpen is rock solid as well. Yep. Um, and then they can just kind of maybe towards the end of the season, once we start to see uh, the playoff time around the corner, I expect them to kind of gear things up, maybe try to get him into the six or seven inning frame uh, and then try to get him playoff ready for that because he is going to be a big part of their push. And I'm with you. I've always been a big Lance Piccolo fan. It's just been injuries. Uh, it's just keeping this guy healthy. has been an issue. And when he is healthy, he's lights out. There's no doubt about it. The talent is there. We can't debate that. Um, it's just staying healthy is his issue. Yeah. And he, he rose through this system. He, he barely, he didn't even play triple A ball. He barely played double A ball. This guy was so good in the minors and they needed him at the time that they just, they just said, you know what, let's, let's, let's just try him. Let's see if he can pitch. And he was major league ready as a, as a, a very young, at a very young age with barely any minor league system in him. So this guy can pitch. Uh, he's kind of like, uh, I mentioned Mike Soroka. He's kind of like him. I would take Soroka, but they both didn't really do much in the minor leagues. They were just ready to go after uh, just a very little seasoning. But uh, number four and five, and even six, uh, I'll throw in Brad Peacock there if any of these guys falter or McCullers needs some uh, a couple game management games or whatever. Brad Peacock has shown that he's a, a very effective pitcher in this league, uh, especially as a starter. And he's someone I would target on the right slate uh, because he's going to be cheap. But you're, you're slotting at four and five right now. It's going to be Jose... Urquida, I'm sorry if I butchered that name. Urquidy. <laughs> Urquidy. Okay, Jose Urquidy and Josh James. Two guys that have ooh, some very good stuff. Uh, Urquidy, he's a guy who can who can get you a strikeout per inning. He's a guy who sometimes gives up a little more home runs than you'd like, but he's a guy who doesn't really walk people. Uh, I think I, if if I'm correct, I think he had as many walks as home runs given up last year, which is pretty fantastic all he, if he can curb those those home runs i mean he was a rookie if he can curb home runs uh something that's plagued him a little bit in the minors if he can curb those he's someone i'm definitely looking out for because anybody who doesn't walk people you know that their whip's going to be low you know that they're not really going to give up too many uh too many runs because of it you're not you have to give up hard contact and if you're not giving up people on base something very good uh so he's a guy i'm definitely going to look at in the right matchup he, again he's going to be really cheap he has a stud lineup behind um behind him so he is always in play for a win and he's just a guy who has very good upside he knows he can get outs he's, he's very it's just the way he pitches is, is pretty good um like I said, I, I like people who don't give up walks. When you give up walks and you slow the game down and you put people on base who haven't earned it, it's that's what bites young pitchers in, in the in the ass, for lack of a better word. But if you can hold that off and you know how to work around um, a strike zone, you're always going to have success. Yeah, I mean, we've touched on it. We You said Greg Maddox's name probably six times throughout this podcast already. And, you know, if you have that control, you don't need to have the fastest fastball. You don't need to have the, the best slider. Well, control is what gets a pitcher the longevity, gets them through the game, gets them through a long career, is having great control. Uh, he's displayed that so far throughout his young career. And I think there's definitely some room for improvements. You touched on Josh James, Santino. I think you know yep. where I'm going with this. I yep. love Josh James. I've been a big Josh James guy. Uh, I was expecting him to, you know, break out last season. It looked like coming into the to the spring training last season, he had a firm grip on that number five job until he hurt his lat. Uh, and then it kind of tabled him and he had to get a late start to his season. And then from then on out, it was kind of hard for him to get into a rhythm. They used him in the bullpen a little bit more. 
But this dude has lights out stuff. I expect him to be, um, you know, if he was if he was in anybody else's rotation, probably their number two to number three pitcher with the upside of eventually having some really good stuff. I'm high on Josh James. I'm expecting a breakout like season for him this year. If he can hold on to that number five job, um, I think sky's the limit for this kid. I want to hear you talk about him, though. Yeah, uh, I think saying a number two starter right now is outlandish. Uh, he's, he hasn't earned a number two starter, but as a number five, very, very few that have the upside as him at starting at your number five, number four starter. Um, pretty different than your Quita because this guy walks a lot of people, and that's what plagued him. Not not fully the injury. He, I don't think he was winning that job anyway last year because he was walking way too many people. He gives up a little bit of hard contact, uh, quite a few more home runs than you'd like. But the walks are the thing. Um, last year he averaged, in whether it was starting or relieving, over five walks per nine, that's almost that's over a walk per every other inning. That's insanely too much. Um, but it is. He's a young pitcher. He's only 20. <clears throat> sorry about that. He's only 26. Uh, he's only been in the league for less than a year. Um, but that's something that he'll, that'll improve, hopefully, over time, because five is just way too much. I, if he can lower that to under three, he's going to be very dangerous because you mentioned he has that lights out stuff. He has some of the best what, stringing, swinging strike stuff in this league. Uh, last year alone, he had a 14.7 K per nine. That's wow. That's it. That's probably tops in the league. Uh, um, it's, maybe, it's absurd. Maybe I'm not, but that's, <laughs> we were yeah, talking that's about Corbin absurd. Burns. What was Corbin Burns? Like 13.7. Um, we were talking about him. Something uh, yeah, crazy. 12.9, I believe, or something yeah. like that. But yeah, this guy has some of the best swinging strike stuff in the league. He just pretty much like Corbin Burns. If he can, if he can get his control down and um, stop walking so many people, this guy, you mentioned it, he has tantalizing upside. He could potentially be a number two, three starter in a couple of years. I don't, I wouldn't say that right now, but uh, yeah, he, if he can curb those walks, wow, watch out. And especially in a DFS league on the right slate, this guy is going to be among the cheapest options that you have. One, he's going to get you a ton of strikeouts. You know that too. And um, yeah, if, if he doesn't give up a lot of walks, He's not going to give up a lot of runs because he, he gives up hard contact, but he doesn't give up like a ton of hits if that. It's just those, those walks. Uh, just looking at last year, 61 innings pitched, only 46 hits, 35 walks, though. He's pretty much like that's almost a wash there. He's, he's almost giving up as many walks as hits. And if he can just curb that a little bit um, instead of 35 walks and 61 innings, curb it to 22. And then you got a guy who's almost at a, a, a very good whip and uh, he's not going to give up a lot of runs and he's just going to strike out a ton of people. And that's great for DFS. So he's, he's probably the most interesting um, of that four, five, six, whoever you want to throw in that lineup. But especially on DFS, those strikeout potential is insane. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you. The walks are definitely a, a major concern. I'm looking at it from the aspect of maybe that was injury related. Maybe that, you know, kind of getting off to that weird rhythm starting the season late might've had something to do with it. Um, yeah. I'm not necessarily fully on board with saying that he's not going to have a high walk ratio. I don't think it's going to be 5.2 per nine like it was last season. I think the you know limited, very small sample size the season before, I think he only pitched, uh, it might have been something like 20, 20 or 30 innings or something like that. The the walk ratio, I believe, was almost half of what it was last season, though. So I do think that there's the chance that those walks do come down a little bit. The strikeout stuff is there for you. Uh, the upside's there. The guy has high velocity, uh, multiple good pitches plus pitches. Um, I love this kid. I'm going to be yeah. high on him. Maybe. And the thing is, is being high on a guy like Josh James, especially in your season long leagues, there's nothing wrong with that because you're not going to no. pay a lot for him. If yeah. he burns me, I'm cool with that. But I know that like 
when I take the look at his upside, top 20 starting pitcher upside in his fantasy seasons, if he could put it all together. Yes, it's tough being the fifth man in the rotation, not getting as many starts as guys like Verlander and Granke. And I think that's the number one thing when I was saying, you know, this guy could potentially be a number two or three starter for a different team. Um, he's not definitely not on this team because you're not you're not you're not getting above. He, he could be a two starter players. for the Brewers who we talked about the other day. Exactly. Um, probably would easily but, be their two starter. Yeah. And I know you're talking about season long leagues and we do them together. I would caution that you're not going to get him too late because I'm very high on him as well. I know I just said his walk rate, but if I'm taking a, a swing on somebody, it's going to be someone who can strike out everybody in their path. Uh, if and if he can curb that work walk rate, like I think he can a little bit. It's like you said, sky's the limit for this guy. He's very good. I don't know how deep he'll go into games. Uh, he hasn't pitched that many innings on the major league level. I don't, I don't even think he has a hundred total. So um, the innings, his quality starts will be down, but uh, he's going to make up for that in strikeouts alone. So he's a guy definitely we're both going to be targeting. Someone's going to get him. <laughs> if it's not one of us, I'll be angry just because I, I want to, at least when I see a good start, be able to call you and be like, oh, I'm so mad you got him. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we'll, you know. we'll see where he goes, <laughs> but that strikeout rate should be, um, bolded, underlined, and uh, highlighted for everybody because you don't get that quite often. And for a guy who's definitely going to start in the rotation, look at him. That's it. That's all we can say on him. I think we both are very high on him. Um, I'm, right. One of us is leaving the draft with Josh James, and the other one's leaving with Dansby Swanson. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to happen. Those are two guys that – you know, I'm sure that if, you know, we didn't want to talk about like if we were recording these podcasts, you know, before the season started, let's say there was no shortened season or anything. I'm sure we wouldn't be giving as much information on these guys because we know that uh, generally me and Santino, we, we, we kind of have the same feel for a lot of the players that we're expecting to break out. Um, but we don't want to tell each other. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't mind talking about you it. You know, know why Santino I don't want to tell secretive. you. Well, I try to pick. So now I know like, going into our draft, okay, maybe I do have to take Josh James a round or two uh, you know, earlier than I was expecting. So I'm going to I'm gonna mark that down, put a little star next to his name so you I know, can remember that. You know why I don't like to tell you. Because, <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Michael yeah, Michael Turner say, 11 years ago or whatever it was. Typically, typically <laughs> hound my guys when I, when I say I like them. So now I just I try and not to say it. But I, fortunately, unfortunately, forget. I have to now. But, uh, <laughs> People don't forget. <laughs> People don't forget. But uh, jumping right. into their bullpen, they they have they also have a little, pretty good bullpen. They lost quite a few people um, over the summer and, and the winter, I should say. But they still have a pretty good deep, uh, bullpen. Uh, Roberto Azuna is one of the best closers in baseball. Ryan Presley is a pretty good uh, setup man. They have Brad Peacock there. He's been effective wherever he's been in the in this like rotation or bullpen, whatever it may be. Uh, Chris Davinsky is lights out. Or he had a down year last year, but he was, he was lights out the year before that. Uh, they got Joe Smith. They have quite a few people that they have. Framber Valdez, another guy who was in the rotation last year, but uh, struggled. So they have quite a few people, even though they lost it. Um, we'll, we'll skip the bullpen because for DFS, oh, not whoa. too much. I love Ryan Presley. I know we're going to skip the bullpen. I think he's one of the best holds set up men in the league um if you're in like a, a holds league he's a guy that you should be actively targeting I, i'm big on ryan presley so yeah, um just to uh, touch they, on him and then move over to the sexy lineup they lost about three four guys uh will smith was i i thought he was their best uh guy outside of asuna last year they lost him they lost quite a few but they're, i mean they're loaded and this is a reason why they've been a top team the last four or five years because they they just have so many guys who can come up and do what they need to do but um yeah, let, let's go right into this lineup. 
Um, and again, last time I'll say it, if you're, if you're getting to this point in the podcast and you're like, I don't want to, I don't even want to listen to it. I'm not going to touch anybody because of this, the trash can and the cheating. I feel bad for you because you're going to miss out on some of the best players in baseball, hands down. Um, and that starts off with Alex Bregman. He's probably going to hit, he might hit number four this year. And rightfully so this guy's a stud. He's a first round pick. And if he's going to be over $4,000 on um, DFS leagues, rightfully so. He's going to bat in the heart of the lineup for one of the best, if not the best lineup in baseball. Uh, there's not many people who could, who are going to have a George Springer, a Jose Altuve, a Michael Brantley in front of you, and then uh, Yuli Gurel and I'm not even in uh, Alvarez behind you. Um, yeah, the, everything that Alex Bregman does, he's shown he hits for doubles, he hits for home runs, he has 15 to 15 plus stolen base potential. He gets on base. He's going to get on base at a 400 clip. He hits for average. There's nothing this guy does. I expect 100 runs, 100 RBIs, 30 home runs, uh, 390 plus OBP, uh, a 900 and something OPS, and not that many strikeouts for a guy who does everything great. He doesn't strike out much. He has a great eye at the plate, and he always puts. He usually always puts the ball into play, whether that's an out or a hit. It doesn't matter, but he doesn't have wasted at bats. <clears throat> Absolutely. I think he led the uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he lead the majors in walks last season? Um, he was up I, there. I know that. I'm not sure. I know he was. Yeah, he was definitely up there. Um, I think he did actually. He he was. I'm pretty sure he was number one. Now that you're saying it, I think he was number one by one or two um, walks. Uh, I know he had almost nearly 120 walks, but I believe he he wa- led the league by one or two walks, which is the guy like it emphasizes how good of a, an eye that this guy has a, at the plate. And his OPS was over a thousand last year. I said over 900, and that's just being very safe. So you know he has even better upside than what I'm saying. He hit over 40 home runs last year. I said 30. I'm giving you the his absolute floor. He hit almost 40 doubles. I said over 30. Like this guy is everything you want in a, in a young stud. And he's, and he's pretty small. He just like Otuve, it's a kind of a theme with in the league lately, uh, smaller guys this, for a smaller guy, this guy has power and you wouldn't have expected it to uh, blossom that quickly coming up through the system. Another former top pick, uh, a overall great hitter in college and through the minors. It, you thought it would, the power is going to develop a little later, but Oh, it didn't take that long for him to develop it, and he's blossomed into a top 10 hitter in this league, hands down. Pretty good at wiffle ball, too, from what I hear. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a, I'm, I've always loved Alex Bregman. Uh, I think we actually, when he first came up, we, we actually split a team one year in our fantasy league where we were like, you know what, instead of battling each other, let's see how this works. Um, and we, I think we, Bregman might have been our first or second round pick, uh, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Bregman's been on my team a lot since he's begun to the majors. I, my team's name's been Breg the Walls Down. Uh, you could do better than that. You could do better Bregg than the that. Wall, it's a WWE Chris Jericho reference. Well, now AEW. Um, that's how I named my teams, and you know that. <laughs> it's a great team. <laughs> Well, yeah, he's, he's, I, 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 I won't say it's a great team day, but uh, I get it. I get it. We got it's some much better than already. Team Apatria. Just yeah, say. that's true. <laughs> but, I think uh, I, had, no, I had a baseball one. Basketball, I didn't make one. Uh, baseball, I, I think I had a team name. I can't remember what it was. You're, all your team names are Team Apatria. It's very lame. Everybody, it's very lame when you don't name a team name and you don't give any thought in it. And Apatria thinks that Team Apatria is, is the cool 
cool I'm in like it. 16 leagues per year now. Ever since I started doing some some writing and some podcasting, I get asked to be in a lot of leagues. So oh, now, he's, now you know, you're you making excuses. Of yeah, 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 you're I right. No, I no, I, I'll make it. I'll make it a, <laughs> a point of emphasis to have some cool team names. Actually, I I actually think that we should maybe enact a rule where every week you have to change your team name, or maybe once a month. Maybe not every week. That might be a little too yeah, much, but maybe week. once a month. Moving yeah. past that terrible idea, but um, <laughs> yeah, leading off on this team is another guy who's uh, hit 30 home runs is George George Springer. Uh, it's very hard to say anything bad about these guys besides the the scandal, which I don't even want to get into. But George Springer, almost 40 home runs last year, almost 100 RBIs, almost 100 runs, uh, 20 20 doubles. Uh, 380 plus OBP, almost a thousand OPS. And did I mention he leads off on this team? Uh, 100 geez. RBIs to a guy that leads off is he absolutely leads, insane. Yeah, it, it's he, he. The only knock on him is he, he doesn't have a great eye at the plate. He's more he swings at a lot of bad stuff and he doesn't walk as much. But he almost had he nearly had 70 walks last year, 113 strikeouts. Uh, I mean, for a leadoff hitter, that's gonna hit. 30 home runs and 80 RBIs score probably 100 runs and have a 370 plus OBP. You can't do much better than that uh, unless you want a, a fast leadoff guy. Then sure, but this guy, any other team, he wouldn't be leading off. But this team is so stacked that he has to. Sometimes you're forced into this spot in the lineup. Like I said yesterday, Trey Turner is forced to be the number three hitter because they have so many leadoff options. Chris Bryant's forced to be the uh, I mean, not the leadoff hitter, the number three hitter. Chris Bryant's forced to be the leadoff hitter because they don't have any leadoff hitter. This guy, they have a, they have some leadoff hitters, but they have so many just talented guys in the lineup. Uh, he has the bad leadoff, and he's great at it. Uh, number great two, base in the, runner too. Yeah, he's a very he doesn't steal a lot of bases. Uh, that's something that he wanted to work on last year, but he started doing it in spring in in spring training, but he didn't actually steal them in the when the games counted. But he does have potential to get 15 steals if he tried. But he doesn't need to because you have all these guys behind you. He doesn't need to run. Um, four guys behind you batting 300. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of uh, <laughs> counterintuitive to run at that point. Yeah. He, he gets caught a lot when he steals. But non-stealing situations, he's a good base runner. Uh, he's just not good at stealing, which is weird. And you don't want to waste outs when you have number two in the lineup I'll get to is Jose Altuve, a guy who's – going to be disrespected because of this whole thing. And his name was very prominently mentioned in this whole scandal. So I think he's going to fall. And I think that's foolish. Another guy who's very small, he hits 25, 30 home runs a year. He bats over 300, uh, very good OPP in the three sixties, three seventies, uh, 90 home run or 90 runs, probably 80 RBIs. 20 stolen bases if that are 15 20 he's he's stealing less bases as he's getting older because he doesn't need to as i mentioned but disrespect him at your own parish uh i know i'm not going to because this guy is a stud i don't care what happened in the past i just know when he's on the baseball field he is one of the best players in the league especially at second base and that's all i'll leave it at that i'm not going to disrespect him and in in dfs and fantasy i'm going to take him uh if he's going to be He's probably going to be low-owned in DFS because of this. A lot of people have that um, bad taste in their mouth, and good for it, good for them if that's that's their own prerogative. But if he's low-owned, that's only better for me because when he goes off, my lineup's going to go off. 
Um, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm high on Altuve. I think you touched on the point perfectly where, yes, I don't think the stolen bases are going to be there for him. Like we always expected, you know, that made him the, at one point, the potential number one overall fantasy pick because he was hitting 30 and could possibly steal 30. We yeah. touched on the, you know, 30, 30 guys before. Uh, I think a lot of that is due to his age and we've seen him deal with a few knee injuries and stuff like that. So I don't think they're, and again, he doesn't need to run as much when you got guys batting behind him that are this good at baseball. Yeah. So I don't, I think that, uh, you know, the caveat of the stolen bases being below right around maybe 20, uh, lower than 20, maybe 15, 18, uh, but still going to be a fantastic hitter and a second over a second round pick without a doubt. Um, if he falls to the third, you got some, yeah. you got some freaks in your league. Exactly. And then behind him is one of the best professional hitters in baseball. Uh, he's not a sexy name. He's not a guy that people are going to um, people who don't watch the sport will recognize. But Michael Brantley. This guy, throughout his career, he had a couple injury-plagued careers, um, not careers, <laughs> seasons where his his stats were down and his numbers were down. But when he's healthy, this guy knows how to hit the baseball. He knows how to manufacture runs. He knows how to draw the. He he's one of the best eyes at the plate. He see per per plate appearance, his um pitches that he sees per plate appearance is always right up up on the top of the league. Um, there with like a Joey Votto, uh, he's probably. He's not as um, his power is now at this stage of his career, probably 20 home runs, but he's just a guy who knows how to hit. He's a professional hitter. You, he's batting third in the lineup. He's going to see a lot of pitches because, I mean, there's Springer and Altuve in front of you and then Bregman behind you. This guy's going to get his pitches and he waits for his pitch. Even if he's not getting his pitches, he waits for him. So that's just even a bigger plus for him. I expect him to bat over 300 as usual, um, 80 runs. 80 plus RBIs, 20 home runs. Another guy that uh, in DFS and season long leagues, he's going to get disrespected, not only because of this thing, and he wasn't even on the team during then, but because of his age and because he's just not a sexy name. He's a he's a name that you see and you're like, oh, I like him, I guess. But he's he's good enough to be your first outfielder if you waited on outfielders. Uh, and that that's it. He's he's just an old veteran that is going probably going to be disrespected and. I don't know why. <laughs> when you're batting third in this lineup, again, disrespect them at your own peril. That's pretty much what I can say on him. Yeah, uh, Bregman, <laughs> we don't need to say much more. It's kind of like yeah. that Freddie that Freddie Freeman uh, where You know, he's he's one of the best. Uh, is there room for improvement? Yeah, when you're that young and you're one of the best hitters in baseball and you're a five-tool player, absolutely. Uh, is there a low floor? Absolutely not. You're a five-tool hitter and you're one of the best players in baseball. So I think you touched on his possibly floor, and that's a great way to put it. If you're getting a floor of a guy with like 30 home runs, 30 doubles, uh, close to 380 OBP, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, that's like the absolute floor. If the floor, uh, if you lived on the third floor and, and then someone knocked it out and you fell to the second floor, that's Bregman's floor. <laughs> um, I'm, but, I'm on the third floor right now, Santino, so. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the first, and I hope no one up there does that. <laughs> that it would be really weird. But um, number five and six, it's I'm not sure who's going to bat where, but um, – Yuli Gurriel, another old veteran guy. He's, I think he's the oldest one on the team. Actually, he came, he came to the majors when he was mid 30s, and um, but he's, he's gotten better as his game progressed in the majors. He's, he's a guy who's again who's going to hit 25 home runs very quietly, uh, hit 90 R, or get 90 RBI, score 80 runs. A very good um, on base percentage guy, 
he's a free swinger, but he he hits probably around 300. He doesn't draw too many walks. I said he's a good on base percentage guy. That was that was a mistake. I meant he's a good average guy. He gets a lot of hits, and when you get a lot of hits and these people are in front of you. You're going to drive in a lot of runs, and that's why he's able to get 90 runs. Another guy who's not going to cost you a lot of money in DFS or cost you a high pick in fantasy, you probably just get him off very late, and uh, another veteran who's just going to produce. But after him is a guy you really like and I think is awesome. And you mentioned uh, Ronald Acuna. We mentioned how you think him and Soto are two of the best young players in the game. Not defensive-wise, because he's just going to bat DH, but Jordan Alvarez did did some stuff last year that I haven't seen ever. This guy burst onto the scene, and he was just an absolute monster. Um, you know what? You're you're a big Alvarez guy. I'm going to throw this to you and yet let you talk about him, because everything you're going to say, I'm just going to repeat. So I'll, I'll let you have the floor on this guy. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I do love Alvarez, man. I I think in our in our season long league, I must have had him on my roster two months before he got called up. I was just sitting there chomping at the bits, waiting for this guy to get called up. Uh, you know, there's there's very few MLB players you see come in with the kind of hit tool and the expectation of being able to hit like Alvarez did. Uh, you know, some of the mind, the, some of the guys that come to mind are like the guys like Acuna, uh, Juan Soto, Eloy Jimenez, those types of players, and he came on and just bursted beyond the expectations the power's there uh the contact's there the eye is there he can he has a great eye at the plate as well there's really no hole in his swing uh i i believe the sky's the limit along the a season-long league for him if you're putting together 162 games i think you know 40 home runs 100 rbis is well in the making for him uh with a obp of probably about 370 380 i mean this guy is unbelievable you touched on that he's going to play dh and that's probably where he'll remain they wanted to get him some outfield reps uh, but he's been dealing with knee soreness. It looks like he has like a degenerative knee issue that is probably going to plague him throughout his career. Uh, and that's really going to limit him from playing in the field. Just you don't want to get that many miles on a guy that's having knee problems. You'd much rather just have him at the plate. Uh, but, you know, this kid is he's he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. And if he did have a position, if he didn't have knee soreness, that wasn't a thing that we were concerned with. He should be a first round pick, in my opinion. I mean, at the very latest, I think we're seeing him go in the back end of seconds, maybe sometimes in the middle of a second round pick. And that's just because you're banking on the unexpected. You only seen it for half a season. So you're pretty much kind of, you know, taken into consideration and baking into his value that there's a chance that he doesn't do that again. Uh, I'm not in that camp. I think he does it again. I think that this kid's going to be a stud, absolute stud. Um, You know, maybe the runs won't be there if he's batting fifth or sixth, but that's okay. We'll take 100 RBIs. We'll take 35 to 40 home runs, and we'll take a great OBP from him and run to the moon with it because I I can't say it enough. I love this kid. Yeah, um, everything you said I agree on, and great eye at the plate. Emphasize that kind of like Soto. This dude only had 369 plate appearances. He played a half a season. He had 52 walks. If you put that into a, a, if you, I know it's a small sample size, but you put that for a full season, that's almost, that's over a hundred walks. And there was only five people in the majors who did that last year. And this dude as a rookie. Okay. He, you you emphasize this dude is a professional hitter already. Uh, Maybe he has some slumps. Sometimes people burst on the scene and have those slumps. So just be weary of that. But, this he's gonna he should be an all star for years to come and I know you mentioned the you you want him to play a position it didn't bother David Ortiz uh, big poppy on on what's it, on the on the Red Sox as a DH he was still a perennial 40 home run guy 100 RBI guy so 
I just see this guy. This guy can mash, and everything you said is why I let you take the floor. Yeah, no, I I could probably talk about uh, Jordan for for days. I mean, I think he's only like 24 years old, so he's still absolutely you know young. There's still plenty of room for improvement. And you talk about slumps, and he's not a guy that I worry about slumps just because you touched on it. How good his eye is. It's not an Austin Riley at the plate where we have to worry about all these strikeouts. Even if he's not hitting, he's still going to get on base. Yeah, it's it's something. Uh, what he did last year is something special, and it's going to be very hard to see again. I mean, he, he does strike out a lot. He had 94 strikeouts in, in half a season, so that's almost 200. But a guy who can mash like that and, and walk, he was he's pretty much the prototypical, um, the guy who has home run walk strikeout. But he hits when he hits the ball, he hits the ball. And I can see 100 RBIs if he stays. Uh, it's just very good, very good young player, one of the top young players in the game, right up there with uh, Acuna and, and Soto, I think. Uh, a little less so because he doesn't play defense, but you know, uh, when you're at the plate, one of the best. I think yeah. it, I, I would go out on a limb to say, and this may be a little overzealous. I think he has probably one of the top. I want to say I want to say five, but that might be too overzealous. But maybe top seven bats in the league, and the two's played half a season. Just from looking at his everything that he's doing, I would not be shocked if we're talking about taking him in, you know, top ten pick next season. I would not be shocked, especially if he moved up to the five hole. I don't think he will because Gurley Gurrell is a really good hitter and he's a veteran. They like him there. But if he moved up to the five hole and batted behind Bregman, I wouldn't be shocked if he led this league in home runs this year. That's how good this guy is uh, in a full season. But, uh, yeah, let's move on. We, we, If you don't know we like Alvarez by now, then uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but let's move on to the number seven hole and Carlos Correa. Um, Correa is the one guy on this. He, he made a lot of waves, uh, this off season, but he's the one guy on this team that I, I think I like him seventh best. Um, he's a shortstop, so he's, he's pretty good at that. He can get you 70 runs, 80 RBIs or so, 25 to 30 home runs. His rookie year, he was awesome mm-hmm. when he first got, came up, um, that those first year and a half or so, but he hasn't been the, the guy that we've hoped he would be. Since then, he uh, dealing with some injuries and whatnot, uh, plagued him a couple times. But he's he's a really good player, but I wouldn't actively target him. Then again, he's not going to be super high. He's also hitting seventh in the lineup in a very good lineup. So um, it depends on what his price tag is coming into the season and who the matchup is. But he's uh, – I mean, he has a really uh, – OPS over 900, which is really good too. Uh but he does where he hits in the lineup. He's not going to score as many runs as you as you'd like. Um, probably nearly a hundred. He could get a hundred RBIs if everything clicks. But he at, at, this lineup is so good that I I can't say that I like Correa more than other people. And that's actually like uh, a testament to how good this lineup is. Because on another lineup, this guy could hit three or four in your lineup, and you'd be happy with it. He can even hit two. But he's hitting seven. That. This is why this lineup is so damn good. It's just it's that good. I'm ex- I'm fully expecting a nice little bounce back season for Correa. I think we touched on the depth of shortstop nowadays, and I think that's kind of what drove the value down on guys like Correa and Corey Seager. You know, guys that were first round picks what two years ago uh, in most fantasy leagues. So um, I I fully expect a bounce back season. You touched on Correa's injuries being wrist injuries, knee injuries, back soreness. There's a lot of things that kind of hampered him, and we've touched on those injuries and how they can really debilitate a guy when he's in the box. So um, you know, de- definitely batting seven is gonna 
hurt some of his production that we're used to seeing. But, you know, the discount you're getting on this guy in season-long leagues and what the discount I'm expecting to get on him in DFS I think is well worth it just because even batting seventh in that lineup is still a great spot. Uh, there's yeah. no holes in that lineup whatsoever. So I'm, I'm on board. I think Correa uh, looking to get back into the top 10 shortstop realm this season and a guy that I know in my season-long leagues I'm looking to get with a discount. I mean, he he had a really good year last year uh, after a down year in 2018. But again, you mentioned it. He he keeps getting the last three years. He hasn't played more than 110 games at at, at most. Uh, so that's something that I'm very wary about. Hopefully he can uh, curb that. But his small sample size last year, he was he was going to have a career year if he stayed healthy on uh, home runs, RBIs, uh, runs. It's just can he stay healthy? That's that's the big thing. And you're not going to pay up for him. Uh, like you said, you're not going to pay up for him. He's going to be cheaper because of these injuries. And if if he can curb those injuries, he's someone that is really good. Again, I he's probably the fourth best hitter on this team at best. And that's saying something because this guy is really he, he is a good hitter. But uh, it's just it's just weird how some lineups he can be the fourth best hitter and then some lineups um, he can be the second best hitter. It's just this is why this team is so good. And if you're underrating them. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Shame, 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 shame. shame. Now, yeah. uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with this one. He's uh, he's that good. It's just health is his issue. He, I mean, his fielding's great, too. Let's remember that Bregman was a shortstop when he came up. Uh, and they said, Correa's our shortstop. You're playing third base. And, you know. Well, Correa was already up there and was an all-star before yeah. Bregman came up. So he had to play uh, third base. But. Bregman's one of the best fielding third basemen in the league, which is – I love it. Um, but, yeah, Correa, I, I don't see anything – I mean, you're not going to pay a premium price for him, so I don't see anything wrong with him. And if somebody gets injured, he could easily jump up. Uh, he can easily jump up in the lineup, maybe bat number two, maybe bat number three, uh, move Jose Altuve or Bregman around. This lineup is so talented, and anybody can bat anywhere, that any injury that comes across somebody – it's going to shuffle things. And if he does wind up batting number two, number three, like he was two years ago before, um, before that down year, he's going to be even more valuable because you know, he could do it. You know, he's very successful in it and we'll, we'll just see what happens. But yeah, he, he's really good. It's just crazy how he's not even the best player on his own team or not even the top three on his own team. But the only, the last guy on the team that I would talk about, um, I mean, there's Josh Reddick and Martin Maldonado, but, not really much there is a guy who would take Josh Reddick's job is Kyle Tucker. And Kyle Tucker is another young, really good guy. He's been crushing the minor leagues, hitting the ball all over the place, power, speed kind of guy, 2020 potential. Uh, has very good eye at the plate. If he gets in this lineup, it's, it's just another weapon to emphasize how damn good this team is. Uh, he's not as, he's not the defender that Josh Reddick is. And that's why Josh Reddick can, continues to play his arm is still elite in that outfield i still a very good fielder all around uh one of the best right fielding fielders in the league but if he falters he's getting up there now uh if he if he slows down a little bit and kyle tucker when he does get a chance to play the last time he got a chance to play he didn't show it all he didn't show his skills quite enough but uh if he does get a chance to play and, and takes that job I mean, watch out. This guy's going to be very cheap in DFS. He's probably going to get him really cheap in season-long leagues. Uh, just another guy you put in this lineup, and there's no easy out. The only easy out, I would say, is Martin Maldonado. And that's just why wow. anybody that you can get in this lineup at a discount, 
wow, just take it. Yeah. Take it and don't I'm, look back. I'm with you on Tucker. Uh, you know, came up last season, really struggled at the plate. And I think that sours a lot of people's opinion on him. Uh, just seeing in a, such a small sample size how bad he struggled and they sent him back down to the minors. But then if you look at the numbers he put up when he went back down to the minors, they're otherworldly. Uh, you know, the stretch that he put on, I think he was batting over 400 almost at one point, And uh, he's a stud. He's a stud. If this guy puts it together and that's it, it's over. He's not going to lose that spot. And I think it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when he takes over Reddick's starting role because they want to get this kid in the lineup. They want to get him active. They want to build his confidence because that's the only thing I think that's, that he's lacking at this point is the experience and the confidence at the plate in the major league level. And once he puts that together, I think it's we're just looking back at, you know, remember that time when we were talking about Kyle Tucker and mm-hmm. how he might make the lineup and how he struggled when he came up? Yeah, those will be all afterthoughts. This kid's a stud. He has a full hit tool, and he's he's a near a five-tool player. That that kid is really good. And it's he just reminds another me reason. of uh, like a healthy A.J. Pollock. When A.J. Pollock was actually healthy and good, um, that's the kind of comp I, I think of when I think of Kyle Tucker. Uh yeah, I can see that. I think he's better. I don't think AJ Pollock was ever that. He had one really good season, but I like. I think Tucker's power is a lot more uh, there, and it's it's a legit power. Uh, but again, if if we're talking best lineups in baseball, Astros, Dodgers, Yankees, that who who else would be in there? I I don't see anybody else in there. Whether it's at a neutral field uh, or not. These are that this is one of the top three lineups in baseball, and it's a reason paired with those top two starters and and very young, sexy starters there and good bullpen. It's a reason why they're probably going to win this division again. I know the Angels are better. This is another division that I really like. Angels, Angels got some some pieces. (laughs) Angels got some pieces. (laughs) The A's are always pretty competitive. The Rangers got Kluber and a couple other people. But I mean, this team's been to the playoffs consistently they've been to the last couple two of the last three world series uh, yeah this team is everything that they they are all right all right well i think we pretty much broke both teams down to an exhaust exhausting extent hour and 36 minutes in but you know what if we're going to spend that much time on two teams i think these two teams are rightfully so two of the youngest sexiest teams with so much upside so much potential uh, so much fantasy value all around the board, across the board, in their rotations, in their bullpens, in, in their lineup. So uh, I'm glad we spent this much time on this, Anthony. You know, I had a good time talking about this. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on uh, before we take off, though? Uh, no, I think I think we touched a lot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this, like you said, these are two, like we've said a couple times, there's two of the very sexy teams in baseball. Um, don't sleep on the on the Braves. They're very good. Even their pitching staff, you're going to get them at a discount. And just please don't sleep on the Astros. This is the last time I'll emphasize it. Everybody on this team can hit the ball. And if you do that, you're just putting yourself into a hole for no reason if you if you dis, or if you you don't give them the credit that they deserve and you think all they're only good because of they cheated. Absolutely. And if you guys have a quick minute, if you can give us a quick follow on Twitter, we would greatly appreciate it. You can find me at Micah Patria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. And you can find Santino at Santino Cocone, S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. We'll give you a nice 
have a nice little conversation. You guys have any questions or want to get back to us, whether you're doing your season long DFS, you can always catch us on there or you can join us over in our discord. Come be a member at DFS coach talk. We have a discord. We have, we have coaches challenges going out there. We have a little fun contest. We have every single day where you can win some prizes. Uh, it, it's just fun, man. It's good baseball. It's good talking. We talk all sports in there and it's just a great group of guys that, you know, we love being a part of. Uh, and then if you have a quick second, give us a nice rate review and subscribe. If you could, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube. We are all over the place. Maybe not YouTube today because we're going a little bit long, but uh, we'll be everywhere. So we do appreciate that. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. And I think we're just we're done with NL now. We're going straight into AL. So, uh, you know, if you want to get some some good AL action, you can give us a listen. Um, I do not actually know who is going to be on tomorrow, Santino. So I don't know if you can help me out here. Uh, but I know that I think it's going to be coach, if I'm not mistaken. Do you know the um, schedule? Somebody's got to think. I know Layton's on there, but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I actually have to recheck the schedule. I think it might be and Andrew and Layton, or I believe. Well, that shows how prepared we were for this part of the segment. Oh no, but it's coach. It's coach. coach it's coach and Layton. Yes, coach and Layton talking okay. Rangers and Mariners. We both had one. We both had one there. Yeah, we were close enough. So they'll be back on tomorrow. Talk Rangers and Mariners. Uh, but that's all we have for you guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll catch you guys tomorrow, and we'll be back to bring you guys some more baseball action.